um, uh, along the lines of our, our military, uh, Brother Brandon Saunders, Miss Jess's, uh, Miss Jess's brother. Um, uh, he he has several acquaintances, friends, and is still in the Marine Corps that have some have visited here. Some um, he's encouraged them to start watching the services uh, wherever they're at, and they have been. And so that's a blessing, and we thank the Lord. Uh, I just sure do thank the Lord for that. I appreciate um, Ashlyn playing tonight. She did a good job. So uh, the day, the afternoon just got wonky real quick with a number of things that happened. And um, Alex is going to a wedding and uh, in New Mexico or something like that. And Miss Jess is traveling. And then the Slagle thing happened. And so I was like, kid, you're it. Have fun. And so just appreciate the spirit and Brother Nate and all of that, man. It's a blessing. All right, so if you have Nehemiah 1, we're also going to look at, and I'm just giving you a heads up, don't try to turn there because we're getting ready to stand, but Genesis 11, Daniel 4, and Luke 12. And if you know what all of those have in common with Nehemiah 1, I'll give you a high five. But if not, we'll figure it out together. All right, so Nehemiah 1, let's stand to honor God's word. All right, so Nehemiah 1, a lot of you would be familiar with this. We're going to read. It's not a lengthy chapter. just want to set the stage here for tonight and then what we're doing with this uh, on Wednesday nights. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, 
I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cup bearer. So on Wednesday nights, we're going to be doing a series on building, lessons in building out of the book of Nehemiah. I'll, I'll give you the title in a couple of minutes and explain more of that. I just want to ask for the Lord's help in this. Um, and then you may be seated. Father, thank you for letting us be here tonight. And God, nothing good happens in this time. And I, you are perfectly sufficient and capable of speaking to us. And your word is wonderful and good. And your spirit is amazing. And so God, I pray by the help of your Holy Ghost and by the power of your Holy Word that you would talk to us you would talk to us about our personal lives, and then, God, you, I, you understand what we need better than I do, and, and so, Lord, with the intent of this, God, I pray that you would accomplish your purpose with it, help me to be aware, sensitive to what I need to be, and as we prepare for what I believe should be some very exciting things, Father, that you would help us to be on guard and to be right with you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So I'm not a building expert, but I do know this, that foundations are pretty important, pretty, pretty critical and uh, vital. And obviously by that response, you don't know as much as I do about building. No, foundations where you start. And it doesn't matter how good the roof is, how pretty the walls are, how ornate the interior is. If you don't have a good foundation, it's not going to last. It's, it's, all, it's all in making sure the foundation is right in building. It's important that we, as, that we as believers have the right foundation in Jesus Christ. Um, it, it's amazing how many of God's people, genuinely saved, can try to live life without building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. No, I'm not saying that you're not saved. But we can get really distracted from what the main thing is, from who the main one is, and we can try to build. Yet, again, it's not a matter of salvation, but we can try to build on a career. We can try to build on other externals. And, and we find that we are lacking because we aren't on the right foundation. It's amazing that it happens in churches. Look, you can assemble a very lovely building. You can have a very organized order of service. You can have great programs. You can have processes that are very enviable. And yet, if you're not building on the right foundation, it's going to come crumbling down and this is another thought, and, and we'll make this again at the, the point at the end of the service, that it's important that you keep building on the right foundation. Because this happens in people's lives. It happens in Christian marriages. You know, for the first 10, 15 years, they were building on the right foundation. But over time, they got distracted with personal success. They got distracted with personal priority. They got distracted with, with, with some other thing outside of Jesus Christ. And their marriage began to fracture and they start having difficulty. Or it can happen um, in, in young people's lives. You start off the right way and you're raised in the right kind of church and you have the right kind of parents. But then you go to school and you, and look, look, I believe God sends people to Bible college and I believe God sends young people to secular colleges, okay? I want some amends on that. It's not my job to tell young people what they should or shouldn't do with their lives. But you should do this with your life. Okay, it is my job to tell you this. <laughs> 
You should let God determine what you're, you're going to do with your life. But look, if God leads you to go to a secular school, get this in your brains. That school is not a friend of God, and they're not a friend of you, no matter how much they welcome you. And there's going to be competition for your priority and to try to convince you to build on another foundation outside of Jesus Christ. And you've got to be, you've got to be aware. It it's, this isn't just important for you while you're a teenager. This is important for you for your life and wherever you're going to go. Foundations are important. I've said uh, recently, I've been telling you, hey, we got some things coming with a, with a building. I just want to stop and give thanks to God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you of something. We, uh, I, I said this, I think, like a year ago. Something like that, maybe a little longer. We've maxed out what we can do here. Like, it's like we just, we're not gonna, we're just not gonna keep putting money. And then somebody comes to me and is like, hey, yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, is that how it went? Well, that's how it went for right now. And I'm like, no, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, and then God just starts opening doors that we didn't, that I didn't, I didn't know. And it's been amazing in the, the past months to watch things start to take shape. It's just, it's been, it's been fantastic. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for it. And, and we want to have all of the I's dotted and T's crossed and, and to know as much as we can possibly know before we bring it. It's, it's coming in a matter of weeks, okay, where we present it. It's coming in a matter of weeks and we're just going to lay it all out for you. It's so exciting. But, but, and, and I am burdened about this. If doing anything with a building causes us to depart from our foundation, it'd be better to stay right here just as it is for the rest of our lives. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested in bigger for the sake of bigger. I'm interested in trying to follow God and building on a foundation that will produce generational and eternal results. And so I am, I am excited and it is coming if the Lord allows but I am also concerned that we build the right way and that we understand this is not a pastoral responsibility exclusively. This is an individual responsibility across the board. And so tonight, the title is this, the thought is this, the posture before the building. The posture before the building goes we're going to start in genesis so genesis 11 keep your place in nehemiah we're coming back there so we start in genesis 11 then we're going to go to daniel i think i told you four and then we're going to luke chapter 12 So Genesis 11, 
verse number one, the whole earth is of one language and of one speech. Notice verse three, and they said one to another, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. I want you to know the, the, or notice the, the reference to what was driving them. We're going to build this massive tower, this great uh, site to behold. It, it's going to be an engineering marvel. It's going to be incredible. There's nothing else in the earth like it. But here's our motive. Let us make us a name. Now go to Daniel chapter 4. In Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has a dream in verse number 4 and 5. And, then he, and, and he doesn't understand it. And so he goes and he tells Daniel. And then in verse number 30, after Daniel has told Nebuchadnezzar what the dream means, Nebuchadnezzar just forgets it in a matter of 12 months. In verse 30, he's walking around his palace, and the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon, notice it, that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Man, look, Babylon was a great, by any modern standard, a great kingdom. And something massive, something wonderful, something incredibly historically renowned had been built. And yet the motive, I have done great. Now, last one, turn to Luke chapter 12. Jesus giving a parable about the foolishness of riches. In verse 16, he said, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Do you see the problem here? The problem isn't with having a financial plan and maximizing what God has given you. The problem is your trust is in your riches, and you have this expectation and assumption that you have unlimited time to enjoy whatever you want with no thought for eternity. And so here in, this, in these three texts, you can go back to Nehemiah, here in these three texts, we have three different groups or individuals that have built something great. They or were trying to build something great. One was in a, a, young, a, a young population trying to build a tower to make their name great. Another was a king that's renowned in history who had built a great palace and his kingdom stretched so far. And he said, I have done this. Another was an unnamed rich man who amassed great riches and assumed that he had endless amounts of time in order to enjoy those riches. They all built something that was great, but their posture was wrong. You know where their posture was? I'm great. I'm making a great name. I will be great, and I will do great. 
This is what we got to be reminded of about great things. There is nothing that has been built that is so great that it can't be destroyed. There, There is nothing that has been built that is so great that if it's built on the wrong foundation that it will not certainly be destroyed. No, look, I understand people can think in this mind, if you know your Bible, I'm thankful that you would think this way. Well, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But Jesus promising that to churches was dependent on them building on his truth. And once you start building on something other than the truth of Jesus, and by the way, throwing his name up somewhere and mentioning it in a sermon and putting it on a sign or on a website or on a Facebook post does not mean that you're building on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And look, you can throw up Bible verses all you want and hang signs in your house. It doesn't mean that you're building on his truth of who he really is. And when we cease to build on him, we forfeit the promise that he would continue to build us. And it, look, 9-11, Twin Towers. And you think whatever you want to think about that, here's the point. Something came in, and there was a whole lot of shock because that'll never happen. And there are churches that are finding themselves in places No, that'll never happen to us. No, they're believers that are looking at the shambles of their life and of broken relationships and and, 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 and the the wreck that sin causes and say, how how did we get here? Because you got to keep building on the right foundation. And when you stop building on him, it's like Psalm says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. That build it. What, what's the vanity of that labor? You're, it's all going to come crumbling down on you one day. The posture of all of these builders could be summed up in one word, pride. Please get this. You can be doing something that looks very similar, that is actually a very good thing, but be completely different because of the posture with which you approach it. Okay, for our purposes, church. Mm, but it's not the only purpose tonight. But for the primary purpose, church. We have a building. We have, a, we have times. We have things that we do. We assemble regularly. Man, we're a church. But there's a whole lot of people with the building and times and assembling regularly that, man, they have a Bible. They have an order of service. They have music. They have specials. They have vernacular But Jesus is not actually anywhere near what is going on in that service. You say, how can you say that? Because in Revelation chapter 3, the Laodicean church, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That is not a salvation verse. That is a verse about a church that was functioning without considering the Savior for whom they were supposed to be functioning. So here's the reality. We can get full of ourselves. As God blesses. Oh, look, I know it's Wednesday. I appreciate what Brother Robbie said about that we come here to be refreshed. Okay. I'm thankful that you can be refreshed in ways you need to even when you're physically tired. And, and I understand. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the effort that you put into it. I'm thankful for it. But please, 
please get this. I know it's a Wednesday night. Don't let it just slip through the cracks of your heart. Building anything doesn't make us successful if God's not involved in it. It doesn't matter where you go and how much success you have from a human perspective. If Jesus is not at the focus of what is going on, and if we are not seeking to keep ourselves aligned with who he is and what he's declared his truth to be, whether it's in a church building, whether it's in a church family, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in individual life and deciding your direction, managing your career, navigating relationships, if he is left out, all that is built will eventually be in vain. So here's the statement. Here's the posture, the statement. Before you can build up, you know what happened in Nehemiah? They built up and it was impressive. I think I'm right on this. They repaired the wall 50 days. I think I'm right on that, right? No, 50 days. Amazing building that was going on. We're going to talk about a phrase. I know y'all are excited about this one. The people had a mind to work. Mm, mm, we'll have fun with that. No. But before all of that took place, there was a posture of building down. What did that look like? Let me just give you three things. How to build down. Number one, and I alliterated this, it just flowed. Don't be mad at me, Brother Fee of I. <laughs> Look at verse number four. And it came to pass when I heard these words, he hears about the condition of the people of God. I'll come back to that point in a little bit. He says, when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And and then uh, look at verse number six and seven. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants. Now, notice this. First of all, in verse 4, he, he sits down, he fasts, he is in a state of, of humility. And then he begins to pray and he says, Israel has sinned. I'm confessing the sins of the children of Israel, which we, we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned and have dealt very corruptly against thee. I'm amazed at Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not is not there committing idolatry. And obviously, Nehemiah has been a faithful witness and been faithful to God during his time in captivity. And yet, he took personal responsibility for the national direction of the nation that he belonged to. Oh, get this. We need to get this. He didn't blame a party. He didn't blame a leader. He said, God, they have sinned. We have sinned. I am a part of this nation, and I, as a part of this nation, I am guilty, and and I bear responsibility. Here's here's the right posture, number one. It's a posture of poverty, and I'm specifically thinking about the attitudes, the Beatitudes, when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's God, I I am guilty. God, we are in need of your mercy. God, you don't owe us anything. I was standing, when Andrew and I went to see Holly, we, we got into Baltimore really late and couldn't meet her. And I'm like, hey, we're 40 minutes from the Capitol. 
Let's go walk around Washington, D.C. in the middle of the night. It's interesting. Anyway, the Lord kept us safe, hallelujah. <laughs> Until like 1 in the morning, 1.30, something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. It's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Some interesting observations and conversations that you don't have during the day. Anyhow, we parked, the last thing we saw was the Capitol and the, the Capitol building. And so you're, just, you're able to park as close as you can at that time of night. If you're going to go see D.C., go at 1 in the morning or whatever. It's easy to get around. I'll tell you exactly where I parked. <laughs> so we're right, we, we park right in front of a church. Look, it, look it's not, not what I would say is our stripe, but it's a church. And so, so man, I, I believe that it's possible for there to be people there that love God. But here's what the sign says, huge, rain, huge rainbow flag attached to the sign. Man, just anybody's welcome. No, look, 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 look. Anybody's welcome at West Valley, but we're not sanctioning sin. So in the shadow of a capital whose leaders have forsaken God, there is a church itself instead of opposing it. They are also contributing to the forsaking of God. Look, I enjoyed the history. Andrea is a history buff. That woman is so smart. She's just talking about all kinds of stuff. We go up, we sit down on the, we weren't able to get very high for different reasons. There are people there that were armed and fences, and that's a whole nother story I might bring out sometime. But I got on the steps as comfortable as I was and just sat there, and I could, you could look from that point at night, and you could look across, and you could see the Washington Memorial, and then in the distance, you could see the, the, the mall and the water, and you see the Lincoln Memorial, and I'm sitting there on those steps with Andrew, and I'm just overwhelmed at how good God has been, and how godless we have become as a nation. I just sit there in heaviness, rather than being able to bask in the beauty of what I see. I'm just overwhelmed how broken we are as a people. And you, you say, yeah, America's like that. But you know what can happen in a church? They start having success and we start thinking, man, we deserve this. No, I, I, th this is what we should have. If, if we ever lose a state of spiritual poverty, meaning this, I'm not talking about being down on ourselves. I'm talking about understanding our need for the grace and mercy of God and thanking him that we have all spiritual riches in Jesus Christ and we are more than conquerors. But it's not because of us. It's because of him. And that should produce a spiritual humility and awareness that I don't deserve anything but the goodness of God through a Savior that died on the cross and rose again has made it possible for me to have great things and be used for great things and to be a part of a family through which God is accomplishing great things. But it must always point back to the Savior. Get to the place where we think, man, I'm owed this. I deserve this. I should have this. Number two, verse four again, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and say the next word out loud. Let's do it again. Say it out loud, please. Prayed. Look at verse 11. 
O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the, say it, prayer of thy servant. We agree that we can do nothing without him, and yet we sometimes devote so little time to talking to him. You know, you know sometimes in, in marriage, and mine's not immune because I'm in it, it can get hard, right? Am I the only one there? No, it can get hard. And, and, and sometimes it gets hard and you don't even know why it's hard. Like, I just, we're, we're just at an impasse and we seem to just be knocking our heads. We're not even sure all the reasons why this is going on. It's not like some great atrocity or tragedy is going on. It's just, it's just hard. And then sometimes there are massive failures. There have been times when Andrew and I, we just, we just had to stop trying to fix things and we just had to sit down and say, God, we want the right thing. But we need a help that cannot come from us. We know things. You've used us to help other people, but we must have your help. Um, do, you, do you know what it's like to pray for your family out of desperation? Just to sit and to recognize how needy you are and to recognize that there's no one around you that can fix everything that's going on, that there must be a divine intervention in your life. And you just say, God, I can't express this with any great oratory skill. I'm just desperate, and I need you to help us. You know what it's like to be there. If we want to build in a way that God can use generationally. Because look, I'm not interested in a building. You, you know what Hezekiah, maybe I'll come back. Hezekiah said, as long as I have peace in my day, I'm good with it. No, God said, you're going to have judgment in your generations. And he's like, well, as long as I have peace, I'm good. I'm not good living that life. No, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to leave my children in a worse place spiritually than I came into their life. I don't want to leave this church in a, having to pick up the pieces after God takes me off the scene. I want there to be something that God can build on from my life in the life of my children and in the life of their children, in the life of the generations to come at West Valley. And you say, well, maybe the rapture is going to happen. Maybe it is, but we shouldn't be planning on it. No, no, we assume he's coming whenever he's ready to come. And that can be any moment, but get me, get me. We're supposed to be living. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say with that. Like, I'm just, well, the, the Lord. Man, parent, people were telling my parents, Jesus is coming before your kid grows up. Well, now their kid has kids that are grown up. So, like, maybe people messed up on that calculation a little bit. No, I'm not questioning what I believe. I'm saying I'm commanded to be busy until he does come. Here's the truth. I want it to last. I, I want God to let me to live to be like 90 or whatever it was I told you all a couple months ago. No, 120, Joseph. That's what it was. Because I want Andrea to have to live with me that long. I just, there is no purgatory. She should have to live with me for an <laughs> Okay, sorry, that was inappropriate. I'm sorry. I'm just having a good time. <laughs> no. 
You know, if I'm, we're going to have something that does that, that generational, eternal value, we have to have is help. Look, I'm, I'm so thankful for what we have in people at this church. It's God's favorite resource. And more than I care about a building, more than I care about nice things, more than I care about what the outside looks like or the inside looks like, please get it. I care about the people that God has placed here. And God has given us people that have skill and that have ability and that have a heart for him. But please hear me. That skill and that ability is not enough. We need his help. We need him to stay involved. I don't want to build up and like Laodicea one day realize God's not anywhere near this. Last thing, you've got to be poor, you've got to be praying, you've got to have the right priority. I love this. Look at verse 10. He's praying. <laughs> I'm so, so convicted. As an American, I want to lash out. I hate what certain agendas are doing to people's families and to people's lives. I mean, literally. I don't know how often you think about this stuff, but there are people whose lives are being permanently damaged every day. And this is what we say. No, it's because of that party, and it's because of them, and it's because of those leaders. And I got plenty of fingers to point at both sides of the aisles. I'll be happy to have that conversation. But Nehemiah wasn't, he wasn't trying to lay blame. He was saying, God, we're guilty, and we need your help. Sometimes we look at people and say, that's what they deserve. And it is. But there's a God in heaven who has mercy and who would help them. And who would reach down to where they are and who would lift them out of their confusion. And who would give them hope and who would give them grace. Because what flows from the cross of Jesus Christ can change anyone's life no matter how messed up it's been. Yeah, far too many times. God's people... Yep, that happens to them. No, I got my retirement. That's their problem. You understand Nehemiah had a bougie? No, you can chuckle. It was bougie there. He just stayed in the palace. Nobody was going to know. Nobody was going to know. The king wasn't going to go. He's like, yeah, that's bad for them, but that's not my problem. But he wasn't content to stay in the palace. He wasn't content to let them suffer. He wanted God to use his life and his position and his prosperity. And you can read about it in Nehemiah. He used his own personal wealth to help the work. It wasn't enough for him to just say, yeah, that's too bad. I'm going to say a prayer. God, help him. It wasn't enough for him. Because God, more than anything else, he cares about people. What's the priority of all this? Man, I'm, I'm so excited. I, just, I'm, I'm, I wasn't expecting all this emotion. I'm sorry. But I, don't, I don't want you to ever question my motive in this. 
What's the, what's the point of that model out there? Can I tell you what it is? It's people. I mean, grand designs for my name. Look, I know what I, I know what I am, and God knows what I am better than that. I'm just a dork, and for some reason, God has chosen to put me in this position, and, and he's brought me into, caused my life to intersect with this amazing church family that I, the Lord willing, get to spend the rest of my life with. And, and we have an opportunity in this valley, and we have an opportunity beyond this valley, but it's not about a building, it's about people. You say, well, what's the point of building, and what's the point of building increasing sanctuary size. You know why? Because there are more people that need what's going on here. Why is it that you're talking about we need to be planting churches? Because there are more people that need what's going on here. Why is it that you say, man, we need to be generous with missionaries and we need to be generous in our giving and we need to be generous in doing the work of the gospel and we need to, well, man, maybe God one day will let us send out a missionary. Why is it? Because it's about people. We're going to be passionate about this thing that's coming. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Walking around today, just working through some details and just trying to think through things and how things could possibly go and, and thankful for all of that. But, it, but it's not about, it's not about the walls. It's not about carpet. It's not about paint. It's not about decoration. It's not about where things are located and how things flow and how much room there is and how nice things look. All of those things are a side benefit. All of those things have their place. But at the heart of all of it, we must remain focused. This is about people. Because churches sometimes can have a lot of people, but not be really about those people that they have. No, that's a true statement. You say, who are you talking about? I'm talking about what we can become if we're not careful. That's what I'm talking about. If we keep those things. Yeah, I understand this is a concern. It's, oh man, if, if we grow, Pastor, it's going to just lose that, lose that small church feel. Do you understand that whether you have 50 people or 500 people, you can be far away from Jesus Christ. And you can be like a family, whether you have 50 people or 500 people. That's not exclusive. You're like, well, I just don't like. You need to get over what you like or don't like and recognize what the purpose of Jesus Christ is. It's to reach people. And you say, well, what are we going after? We're just going after people. What's the number? I have no number. Th thank you. No, I have no number. It, it should be obvious to you on Sunday morning and Sunday night and sometimes on Wednesday nights, we could use some more seats. You know what that means? God's trying to bring some people in. And that means there's some more marriages he wants to help and there's some more addicts he wants to deliver and some more sinners he wants to save and some more people leaning into the idea of suicide that he wants to rescue and demonstrate to them the value of their life and some people have been through broken relationships that he wants to remove the stigma from them and show them that there's grace and that there's purpose and that there's hope. There are people all over the place and the crazier our world gets, the more they're gonna be looking for something that actually makes a difference. They are, mm about people so if we keep the right spirit of poverty if we keep the right 
attitude towards prayer and the consistency in it. And if we keep people as our right priority, man, that's going to guarantee that we build down so that God can build up. That's really the formula. You know, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may what? Exalt you in due time. Before you can build down, excuse me, before you can build up, you must build down. Hey, this is good for a church family. No, it is. This is really good for a church family. It's also good for you in your personal life. Every day I need to build down. See, what are you talking about? Every day, God, I need you. No, this isn't some kind of magic formula, but I just, I need him. No, I understand some churches treat reading the Bible like the thing that you check, and then it's like a vitamin. If I take this, then I'll have to do anything else. No, it does you no good to read the Bible if you're not interested in the person that the Bible is proclaiming, being Jesus Christ. But I need him, and that's who he is. He's in this book, and I just need you every day, Jesus. No, I need you every day. I need to build down. You need to build down in your careers. Like, God, help me to follow you. Hey, come on. Come on. I'm almost done. I'm landing the plane. You can see the runway. How about this? God, how much money I make is not as important as that I follow you. And I don't want to have career success that cost me family success. No, no, no. I don't want to have success in a building that cost us spiritually as a church family. You got to build down in your marriage. You got to build down in your parenting. Before you can build up, you got to keep building down over and over and over. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. So tonight with, with our church and, and the things that are coming with our church on your mind, but I hope some areas in your life on your mind. Number one, would you pray, say, God, help us to be a people that builds down. In the process of building up, in the process of you doing things, help us to stay true to building down. Would you pray that for your church family tonight? I'm, I'm asking that you would, that you take a minute and you just say, God, help us to keep building down. Help our pastor to keep building down in his personal life. Help our, help our church family to be building down. And God, help me as a part of this to be building down so that you can keep building us up. Number two, maybe there are areas in your personal life where you know you haven't been building down and you need to. And maybe you just need to spend some time tonight calling on Jesus and saying, God, we've, we have departed from building down. And, and our foundation has gotten shaky, and we need your help. And I don't know where you're at, but we got to keep building down. And so if God has dealt with your heart, then respond to him. Let's all stand together as the invitation begins and Brother Nate sings. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, you respond.